1: saying I'm proud of that. I'm not flaunting the freedom that I exercised in the past. For me, as you well know, it became a habit, it became a problem. It became my go-to when ministry got tough. That's a problem. And so now club soda with a lime, that's mine. And I won't drink it again. I mean, I don't think I'll necessarily sin if I did, but I just don't do it anymore. I just don't do it. I don't exercise that freedom that I have. I'll drink it with Christ in the kingdom.
0: Hallelujah, I can't wait for that. The Bible doesn't say that drinking alcohol in moderation is a sin. It mentions gluttony, but nothing about unhealthy foods eaten with restraint. Dancing is another one that it never labels a sin, yet, many churches have taken issue with these things, amongst others, and have gone so far as to say that believers can't participate in them without offending God. As Pastor Danny will remind us in today's message, there are things that we should stay away from for our health and to help other believers, but that doesn't mean that they're sin. Now here's Pastor Danny in the Book of Romans, chapter 14, as he begins his message dealing with disputable matters. To every nation
1: Romans chapter 14 verse 1 chapter 14 except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters that's the title of the message dealing with disputable matters in the church one person's faith allows them to eat anything but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant to their own master? Servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat with contempt them with contempt? For we'll all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written... Surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. For the Christian, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 13, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it's unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God, this is a great statement, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. But it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Now pause there for just a minute. I think that's ironic that he says, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. But he wrote the whole chapter to all of us. And now we're dealing with everybody. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Did my study, had my notes pretty much together, and then I thought it would be great if I could summarize the overall issue here. Now, in summarizing the overall issue, that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about it in more detail. But I did my best to summarize the overall issue in the text. And here it is. Gray areas of religious belief and practice that tend to breed differences and division in the church. Not only differences, but we divide over these things. We shouldn't, but we do. There are three specifically named in the text? Meat eater or vegetarian? We're not talking about for health reasons. We're talking about for religious reasons, but your religious reasons may also cause you to argue for health reasons. And some people do it for religious reasons and say, if you would do it for this reason, you would be healthier. There's a group not far from us a ministry called hallelujah acres they have an actual farm they grow their own vegetables and things like that and they are non meat eaters but they teach they teach that god never intended for man to eat meat and most of our physical problems they say are a result of after the flood man becoming a meat eater when before the flood he was a vegetarian had a lady come to me after a service years ago, and she had gone through their course. She had gone away and actually attended a course that Hallelujah Acres taught, and she came back and she was so excited to tell me that she had done the course and what she had learned. And then she was very disappointed when I challenged her biblically on what they had taught her, and she, as a result, left the church, our church. Our church. Because she believes that we should not be eating meat. If you haven't picked up on it yet, I'm a meat eater. And I don't do it for religious reasons. I do it because I love it. We're going to come back now, but that's one of the issues. (laughs) And the other one mentioned is religious days. You know, there are some people, some people in our church, and they, listen, some people that, They have talked to me, they have written me emails, they have have tried to get me that when the religious Jewish festivals are happening, I ought to mention them and let everybody know and tell them you can participate and you can celebrate in these feasts. They're Jewish feasts. That doesn't mean I shouldn't learn about them, that doesn't mean I shouldn't honor them, that doesn't mean I don't know what they are all about. But there are some people, despite the Jewish thing, it's just a cultural thing. There are certain times a year, Lent is a big deal. And some people, like, you're not celebrating Lent, you're not observing Lent, you know? And there are certain days, there are people, believe it or not, at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, they come to the Saturday night service, and they come to the Saturday night service not because they can have their Sunday free, but they believe we ought to be worshiping together on the Sabbath. So some people think one day is more sacred than another. One day is more holy than another. One season of time is more holy than another. And it's not wrong to practice those things. But there are others. Today is just as holy as yesterday was. And tomorrow is going to be just as holy as today. You say, you're not answering any questions. Hang on. And then the other one in the text is drinking wine. And there's some Christians that believe it's wrong for a Christian to have a glass of wine or to have a beer or to have an alcoholic beverage. I was one of those Christians and a Christian pastor for years that I had the freedom to indulge. I would go, especially in ministry in Europe, especially in ministry in Europe, I would go after a, a church meeting or a conference and I'd go out with pastors that I knew well and we'd have a beer. I'm not saying I'm proud of that. I'm not flaunting the freedom that I exercised in the past. For me, as you well know, it became a habit. It became a problem. It became my go-to when ministry got tough. That's a problem. And so now, club soda with a lime, that's mine. And I won't drink it again. I mean, I don't think I'll necessarily sin if I did, but you know, I just don't do it anymore. I just don't do it. I don't exercise that freedom that I had. I'll drink it with Christ in the kingdom. Hallelujah. I can't wait for that. That's going to be the best cup you ever had. And for the Baptist, it's non-alcoholic. It's Welch's. But for the others, you know, it's alcoholic. So we'll be divided even in heaven. Here's the alcoholic crowd, and here's the non-alcoholic crowd, and here's the Welch's group, and it's an issue. It's still an issue today. Those are the issues in the text. (laughs) Are you aware there are issues beyond the text? Kosher or crab? I know Christians. Some speakers I've had in the past, some people that we've come. I had a guy do our men's retreat, our men's conference years ago. And uh, he's with the Lord now, but he was a very well-known speaker back in the day. Very much in demand as a speaker. Great communicator, great Bible teacher. And I had him do a men's conference for us back in the warehouse days. And as I got to know him, He's Jewish background, and he's kosher. And some of the things we served at that men's conference, he wouldn't eat because he's kosher. And in getting to know him, I discovered that he believes that all Christians should be kosher, but he wasn't legalistic about teaching that, but that's what he believed. That was his conviction. He believes we all ought to eat kosher. So the other night, it would have been... Well, if he'd have been with me, you know, I went out, took one of my former associate pastors, he and his wife, my wife and I went out to dinner with them, Pastor Brett Robinson, Calvary Chapel, Palm Harbor. We went to a steakhouse and I ordered steak. And as the, as the waitress was taking away my menu, I just saw, I just saw on the menu lobster. And I said, Hey, could you do me a steak and lobster? And let me tell you something. It was really good. But if I'd have been with this former speaker, knowing what I knew, I probably would not have ordered the lobster because I'd had to sit there and eat in front of him. And that would have been offensive to him. And I would have been acting in love. I would have been flaunting my freedom. Tobacco. Now, why do I put tobacco, comma, the theater? Because in the Victorian era, what was that? Victorian era is when Queen Victoria was ruling. It was basically uh, the last part of the 1800s, 1837 to about 1901, when Queen Victoria was ruling, and they call it the Victorian era. And there were two of the most popular preachers back in the day. One, you probably know his name, Charles Spurgeon. But there's a second that is less known today, but it was just as well known back in those times. And during the times that Spurgeon had his... Pastoral and preaching ministry. There was a contemporary that was just as well known and just as much in demand. Joseph Parker, congregationalist, great communicator, great Bible teacher. And Spurgeon and Joseph Parker used to be friends. Not only did they fellowship together, they exchanged pulpits. But in getting to know one another, Spurgeon discovered that Joseph Parker attended the theater. And he accused Joseph Parker of being unspiritual because he attended the secular theater. Well, Joseph Parker was happy that he had a comeback to Spurgeon. And his comeback to Spurgeon, Spurgeon loved cigars. It's a well-known fact. Spurgeon loved cigars. And so that was his comeback to Spurgeon. You accused me of being unspiritual going to theater. How about your stinking cigars? Listen, I might, what I'm going to say, I might offend you. I am not mean to offend you. I've met some people in the past that used tobacco, Christians. I know some in this church that use tobacco. One of my good friends, one of the first times I had a meal with him, after the meal, he pulled out his pipe. He said, does this offend you? I said, no way. Do you have one for me? I didn't say that. I didn't say, do you have one for me? Because I I don't, I don't smoke, but it didn't offend me. It honestly didn't offend me. And I know some people that use tobacco that have more spiritual depth than some who don't. I could say the same with alcoholic beverages. I know some people, Christians, even though they partake of alcoholic beverages, they love Jesus. They're not given over to it. And they have a depth of spirituality. Like some people I know that are teetotalers that don't. We need to grow in these areas. We need to learn. Music. there's one. Listen, it took me back to my liberty days, early Christian liberty days, back when it was Liberty Baptist College. And, and, And some Christian groups back in the day were taboo. They were contraband. And if you got caught listening to them, you'd get written up. One of them, now if you remember this group, you're old, but the Imperials, I listened to some of the Imperials' early music, and it's like, to me, to me, it's like easy listening. But they were considered rock and roll, and if you got caught listening to the Imperials. So my wife, she wasn't my wife then, we really, we really were bad when we skipped a Wednesday night service to go hear another band, Petra. Whoa, they were edgy. I met a guy during those days, Roy Morgan. We were both freshmen at Liberty. And Roy said, hey, Danny, what are you going to be studying? What do you know what God wants you to do in life? And I said, I don't know, Roy. I'm going to be taking these classes and for right now. And he said, you know, Danny, I believe I know what God wants me to do. I would never met anybody just that young that knew exactly what God wanted him to do. And Roy said, Danny, I believe God wants me to be a Christian promoter and promote Christian artists, musicians, and artists. And my first thought when Roy told me that, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, you're going to be poor, man. Roy owns one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Christian promotion and production company in the world. If you've ever heard of Winter Jam, that's Roy Morgan. He began to bring these contraband groups that Liberty wouldn't have. (laughs) And one of them was Petra. And my wife and I skipped the Wednesday night service and went to hear Petra. And the most wonderful part of it is we didn't get caught. But music, listen, listen, it divides. Still today. You want to know one another one? Dancing. Because if you listen to the kind of music you shouldn't be listening to, then it'll make you want to (laughs) dance. Conjure up these demons from Africa and they'll want you to dance. And I was taught in my early Christian days in the Baptist church I was a part of that there was something wrong with syncopation. And syncopation having to do with the beat, the beat. And that's what I believed for my early Christian years. Hard to believe now, but I did. Go listen to your heartbeat. Because if syncopation is bad, it's living in you. And it's keeping you alive. I had the privilege in those early days to play drums for a group, a Christian group uh, from Liberty. And we'd go all around the country. And then in the summer, we'd go to other countries uh, uh, cross-culturally. And I just had a wonderful privilege to do that. But we, we had a good production uh, that we presented. And then we reached a lot of people for Christ through the things that we did. And long story made short, um, we began to get what I consider to be liberal. We added a couple of singers from a group called Regeneration. Again, they were back in the day, they were considered, in our group, liberal, because they did choreography with their Christian presentations and their songs. Choreography, we considered dancing. I remember one of the singers from Regeneration and Doug and I became friends and we're doing a a high school up north and we're after our production and our presentation, Doug and I are walking around and one of the classes at this school as we're packing up, they were doing a dance class and Doug was going on about how great that was to doing a dance class. And because of my teaching in the Baptist church, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's evil. I can't believe they're teaching dance. That was my mentality. But Doug... He thought it was great. And so over time, what we've developed here is a policy that most of you know here at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. And we have a policy on dancing. And I want you to share with the newcomers what it is. I'm going to say count to three, and we'll say it out loud on our policy on dancing. You ready? One, two, three. Some can, some can't. That's our policy. (laughs) You know how many times in the Scriptures it encourages us to dance unto the Lord? Miriam got the tambourines and the ladies. They, they, they led everybody after the Red Sea crossing and they were singing and they were dancing and they had tambourines. I'm telling dance and do it under the Lord. But here, some can some can't. Fashion, First Timothy chapter 2. Boy, <laughs> you talk about differences. What people have done to interpret this passage I want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Always takes me back to early days of Calvary Chapel. We were meeting on 54th Avenue and 69th Street. Back in the day, it was called the Sons of Italy Lodge. Across the street, there's still a ministry there called Camp Freedom. They let us use one of their rooms for our children's ministry. I got to know the leadership of Camp Freedom back in the day. Now, I haven't talked to them for years, years, so I don't know what they believe today. But back in the day, they took this verse, and they believed that women should not wear any jewelry and no makeup. And let me tell you, I'm all for makeup. (laughs) They went so far, the leadership back in the day, I got to know them, and they believed, they believed that if you wore blue jeans, you were not just unspiritual, you were going to hell. They said that to me. I love them, but amazing how they took some things in regard to fashion. We divide over these things. <laughs> First Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. My uncle James, been with the Lord now for years, but he helped disciple me in my very early days before I went off to Liberty. And after a Wednesday night service at our Baptist church back home, he took me to his office downtown Hartsville. He opened the Bible to 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. I was an old rock and roller hippie, wild, crazy. So when I got saved, I, I had my hair cut, but it was still a bit over my ears. It was still long. And I know it's a hard, you have a hard time imagining me with hair at all, but I did. We have pictures to prove it took me in his office, turned me to the scripture, and it says, doesn't nature teach you that it's a shame for a man to have long hair, but a woman's hair is given to her for her glory? And he asked me, Danny, now what does a woman's hair cover? And I thought, I thought, and I turned to my uncle, I said, her hair, her ears. He said, exactly. And so after that, lucky, luckily, I got a free haircut after that from my stepfather who was a barber, and I got my hair cut above my ears. And then I walked into the Baptist church, and them little grandmothers are coming and they're kissing me, and they say, Now you look so much more like a Christian. Because you got your hair cut. They'd be proud of me today, man. At liberty. We go into chapel and they had guards. They called them RAs, resident assistants, by the door. And if your hair was touching your ears as a guy, they write you up. You say, how'd you survive that? I don't know, but I made it. They told me my drums. I was a rock and roll drummer and I I wanted to be a rock star, you know. And they said, you can't play those drums anymore. So I gave up the drums. Go back to hairline. Some people, some places, beards are taboo.
0: Thanks for joining us today to study the Book of Romans here on the Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You can hear this message again or more of Pastor Danny's teachings at our website ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would simply like to talk with us, feel free to send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. If you're in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would be happy to meet you in person. We invite you to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. In addition to our in-person services, we also live stream each service. So don't let distance hold you back from worshiping with us this weekend. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in again next time as Pastor Danny continues to teach through the Book of Romans right here on The Living Word.